Hey, Lurid listeners, would you like a free audiobook? Follow us on Twitter at the KMQ, then tag us in a tweet with I Heart the KMQ, and we'll send you the audio. And we'll send you an audiobook from our Audible library. Eroticism is important. It influences and energizes, sorry, it influences and energizes our entire human experience. Eroticism isn't sex. It's sexuality transformed by our imaginations. We encourage lurid listeners to cultivate eroticism, to play with it, smack it, and rub it down. We want you to enjoy yourselves your partners, and your sexuality. You are entitled to your sexual self. This show is intended for adult audiences only. That's about it. (laughs) (laughs) So what you're saying is you have no recall. (laughs) It's got scary stuff in it. And sometimes it does. This one's not so scary. Mm-mm. No, this one's pretty sick. This one's fucking hot. Yeah. Yeah. So, you it's, know. It's got a Frenchman in it. Okay, that's our disclaimer today. <laughs> We've just entered the beaded curtain. <laughs> when did Greg Sterling get here? Hey, Lurid listeners, welcome back to the Kiss Me Quicks Erotica Podcast. I am your host, Rose Caraway, and joining me in the studio is Big Daddy Dave Caraway. Say, hey, Big Daddy. What's up? <laughs> What's up? I'm, I am not wearing my Charles robe today. <laughs> no. No, it's too hot now. Mm. But our, our, uh, our little kitty cat, he's climbing around the studio again. Not so little. <laughs> No, he's, he's like giant. quadrupled in size. Are, so now you, the, what's your game plan? What's your end game? It's gonna he's gonna land on me. That's he's gonna draw blood again. This is great. He's mission impossible. He's getting ready for American Ninja. Terrible. That's what he's getting ready for for the itty bitty ledge that he has to hold on to. <laughs> nice. Aw. There he is. There we go. All right, he settled down for just the moment. He's about to attack our faces at any second. He's much larger, so the stakes are much higher. Yes, they are. He's four times more lethal. Says my nose ring. (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, just so y'all know, (laughs) ripped out. Yeah, ripped out Rose's nose ring. Just said, hey, I love you. (laughs) Jeez. So he bloodied me for a second time. Oh my God, you're too cute up there. All right. (laughs) Anyway, let's get on to the story. The story today, like I said, is hot. Uh, It is written by Tamsin Flowers and it's titled Udont. And this one... Udont. Udont. And I get to play with a little bit of a French accent in this one, which I'm always... uh, I get nervous about. um, So I have to go through a lot of uh, cussing myself out and getting my... Maybe I'm just taking on the French attitude by getting pissed at myself. That's right. You're you're not saying this correctly. (laughs) 
<laughs> Before I can get to the Pepe Le Pew version exactly. of what I want. <laughs> well, no, that's kind of how it comes that's out. Right. <laughs> that Pepe Le Pew version. No. That's why the Frenchie is so mad at you. They're like, just stop, stop. <laughs> so I just go, I go loose with it. Like, I don't go hard because I'm American. And so, you know. So Udont is written by Tamsin Flowers. And I'm just going to read you the synopsis we wrote for the anthology. Kit McIntyre is the best Shakespearean actor of his generation, and he's your husband. He commands the stage with every performance, while you, his biggest cheerleader, stay in the dressing room with Udont, a handsome, worldly man, and your best friend. Udont has many stories to tell. In particular, a provocative tale about your illustrious husband. So, you know, uh, maybe a little bit of a pest. But he's... He's, he's a, a snob. Just he's, say it. He's a snob. <laughs> he's a bit of a snob. Um, but he's he's been around. He's had some fun. Slut. And he's a bit of a slut. <laughs> and it's something. Like, to me, what turned me on was hearing this story Um from Udon's perspective, um, um, putting myself in that position, like, if you fucked a dude and the dude was telling me about it, that was very erotic to me. And I thought, oh, God, we need this one. That would be surprising it's for a, me. I'll be honest. Unique... That would be surprising if a dude told you he was <laughs> fucking me. Yeah. Because well, I wasn't awake for that. <laughs> A lot of men like to hear male, male stories, and definitely a oh, lot yeah. of us no girls judgment. do. And this one, this one is like, there's a cherry on top because it's her husband. And it's the first time she's heard it. And she's like, you know, of course, of course he did. And he's maybe even a little hotter. But then to add a little bit more to that, maybe something goes down between Udont and the wife. Who knows? Mm -hmm. You'll have to listen to find out. Just, I don't mean to spill it. Something might happen. Yeah, maybe a little bit. Just a little something. Yeah. Something. <laughs> All right. Here is Tamsin Flowers' Udont. Something is definitely going to happen. You've been married for 16 years. 16 long years. Not bad going for a show business couple, where divorce is as commonplace as an empty theater for a Wednesday matinee. And you can be sure that it makes it even more impressive when people realize that the man you're married to is Kit McIntyre. He is of sonorous voice and Falstaffian reputation, probably the best Shakespearean actor of his generation. Someone said that about him while he was still at school, and they've been saying it repeatedly ever since. Not without grounds, you say. And you've spent more hours watching him act than anyone else on the planet. But although the story of your life is inextricably entwined with Kit's, the plot for you went very differently. You wonder now if anyone actually remembers that you were an actress when you were young. Of course, that's how you met Kit but you would be the first to admit you were never in his league. Your stage name was Elizabeth Wells. 
you picked it for your mother's middle name and the town you grew up in. And because someone told you when you were just 13 that you reminded them of Elizabeth Taylor in National Velvet. You once had a small part in a BBC costume drama, but after you met Kit, you gave up acting to have a family. You don't have a family. The babies you longed for never took root in your womb. Kit never held it against you, though. It makes you secretly suspect he was never that bothered about having children in the first place. He was and continues to be consumed by his career. Of course, you could go back to acting, but you know Kit wouldn't want you to. He'd miss his head cheerleader too much if she had other things to occupy her time. You travel with him. You deal with his agent and sort his packing. You're the professional wife of a very famous, very important man. And he makes more than enough money for both of you, so there's no reason for you to work. Kit earns plenty, and you spend it fast. However much you love Kit McIntyre in your heart, your head knows that you would never have stayed the course with him for all these years if it hadn't been for Odont Pelletier. Odont is Kit's dresser and travels with you and Kit whenever you go on tour. You're always on tour. He's been with Kit longer than you have and probably knows him better by the narrowest of margins. And he certainly knows you better than Kit does. That's a given, even Kit would agree with. Because you and Udont spent a lot of time together. All the time that Kit's on stage, you spend in each other's company, in Kit's dressing room. And as Kit always has the lead role, and it's inevitably Shakespeare, that's a lot of time. You know Udont as well as you know Kit. You know everything about his life and his past. He was born in Rabat to a Moroccan mother and a French father. This odious man was wealthy enough to pay off Odont's mother and bring the boy to France, where he was raised by his father's wife. It wasn't a happy arrangement. Odont rarely discusses it with you. You learned most of what you know of Odont's childhood from Kit. When he was 16, Odont ran away from home to become a rent boy on the streets of Paris where his angelic features and gift for manipulation opened doors through which no 16-year-old has any business going. He has some stories to tell, and of course, over the years, you've heard them all. Famous writers and bon vivants, absinthe back when it was bad and dangerous, threesomes, foursomes, and moresomes, being fought over by the most famous married couple in Hollywood, a decade later, Udont ended up in the costume department of the Folies Bergère, where Kit discovered him when he fucked his way through the chorus line one summer. Udont is beautiful, even though he is in his 40s now. So are you, in your 40s, rather than beautiful, though you once were. However, unlike you, Udont has kept his looks. His dark skin and almond eyes were a gift from his mother. His prominent nose and dark, pillowy lips, he says, were from his father. A sprinkle of salt and pepper through his black hair lends an air of distinction, and his fine, long fingers and loose-limbed elegance make him seem, at times, a little feminine. He speaks with a seductively deep voice, as deep as Kit's, 
but he has the benefit of a French accent that's so redolent of drinking espressos and smoking jetons on Saint-Germain-des-Prés that you can practically smell the smoke. Sometimes Oudant has a boyfriend, sometimes he doesn't. You and he are close colleagues, both straining under the yoke of Corporation Kit McIntyre. But you're more than that. You're best friends, you and Oudant. And you wouldn't survive the endless theater tours without having him to lean on. Because without telling tales out of school, Kit can be a difficult man. Not that you'd admit that to anyone other than Oudant. You and Oudant share secrets. Secrets about Kit and about each other. For one thing, Oudant is your lover. No one suspects this because he's perfectly open about his homosexuality. He positively flaunts his male conquests around the theater. But in actual fact, he doesn't care a fig for the mechanics between a person's legs. Love looks not with the eyes, but with the mind, and therefore is winged cupid painted blind. He quotes this often. It's from A Midsummer Night's Dream. For Oudant, love is all in the mind. When the dressing room door closes behind him, and Kit goes off to be King Lear or Iago or Henry V, your minds meet, and so do your bodies. It started a long time ago, down in Stratford one year. You and Kit had been to a gala dinner in his honor the night before. The next afternoon, he roared off to play Petruchio like a bear with a sore head. You were on the dressing room daybed, bemoaning a headache, a stomach ache, and sore feet from the torturous high heels Kit demands you wear for public functions and, more often, when you're alone with him in the bedroom. They're always the last thing to come off, at least an hour after your party dress and frilly knickers. Your feet were killing you. Udant, you moaned. I'm like Cinderella after the ball. Udant was sewing a button onto one of Kit's shirts with the precision of a Parisian seamstress. Cinderella, no, he said. He laughed. The ugly sister whose feet were too big was a glass slipper? You threw a cushion at him, and he yelped as he stuck himself with the needle. And now you've made me sleeping beauty, he said, holding up a long finger with a ruby of blood blossoming on its pad. He put the shirt to one side and sucked the wound. I can't finish that now. He came and sat at the end of the daybed, swinging your feet into his lap as he sank down. You wriggled up the bed to give him space and make yourself comfortable, breathing in the scent of burnt almonds that drifted across from him. How did he always look so perfectly groomed? That day, he wore creamy linen trousers and a lawn shirt, so fine that you saw the dark outlines of his nipples through the pale fabric. And how did he put up with Kit, all crumpled trousers and straining buttonholes? His hand touched your foot, and you flinched. I'm inspecting the damage, he said. You relaxed as he turned first one foot and then the other in his hands. His touch was firm and warm through your stockings. Nothing permanent. You're not going to die. Thank you, doctor, you said, making to swing your feet off his lap, but he kept hold of them. You looked at him. A foot massage would help, he said. I'm not going to say no. Oudant is a legendary masseur. He learned it in Paris before he met Kid. I need to remove your stockings. Be my guest. 
Udant slid your skirt up your thighs, far more slowly than necessary, higher than he needed to find your stocking tops. This was interesting. Hair stood up on the back of your neck as his slender fingers touched the downy skin of your thigh. Your headache seemed to dissipate, and your stomach felt calmer. He tucked his fingers into the top of one of your stockings and started to roll it sensuously down your leg. Does Kit do this? He asked. You shook your head. Either he leaves them on or he just rips them off like a brute. Udon smiled and slipped the diaphanous nylon away from your foot. You know Kit and I fucked once, he said, reaching for the top of your other stocking. Just once? Only once. When we first met, he said he wanted to know what it was like to fuck a man. You weren't surprised to hear this. Kit took his hedonism seriously and will try anything once. So, he fucked you? Did you fuck him back? I tried, but he broke my teeth. He drew the second stocking off your leg with a flourish. You know you have very good legs, Elizabeth. It's the only part of a woman's body that doesn't age. I'm not that old, Udant. Of course not. He knew how to wind you up, but that's one of the things you adore about him. He shifted to the end of the daybed, so instead of being at right angles to you, he rested his back against the arm, and you faced each other. Your bare feet were still in his lap, and one of them accidentally brushed against his cock. You're not a girl, he said, grabbing the offending foot. His grip was tight. You're a naughty boy, he replied. How are you going to make it up to me for fucking with my husband? Udant shook his head and grinned. Like I said, I didn't get to fuck him. He fucked me. And it was before he met you. Anyway, you're getting a free foot massage. As these words fell softly from his mouth, his fingers started to gently manipulate the ball of your right foot. You rested your head back against the arm of the couch and closed your eyes. You pictured the two of them together in a different dressing room, in a cramped little room in the bowels of some Parisian theater. The smell of Udon's cologne mingled with the reek of Kit's sweaty, cast-off clothing. Both of them are years younger, wrestling on a shabby chase lounge as the afternoon turned to evening. They are naked, Kit's body dark and muscular, Udon's sinuous and elegant, as they writhe together. It made you wet. Kit is on top. He's in control. You know from your own experiences with him that this is how it must have been. You watch him taking Udant from behind, and then you watch as he rolls the younger man over, and they start to fuck face to face. Udant cranes his neck forward to catch one of Kit's nipples with his teeth. Kit pulls back and pins Udant's arms behind his head. He bites Udant's nipples by turn, and you can see the ecstasy on Udant's face. Mouth slack and eyes rolling back. They fuck and fight until both of them come. Then Kit stalks away to the shower, leaving Udant in a pool of sweat, with his own spunk coating his stomach and his hand at the base of his cock, still gently caressing as he relives the moment. It's as pretty a picture as you can imagine. You prodded Udant with your free foot. You still owe me. Which?
he said. His knuckles dug hard into the ball of your foot as he started to massage it. It hurt, but it felt good at the same time. Come on, compare notes. What does he do to you once he has your stockings off? Hmm, this is going to be a fun game, you thought. When he has me in just my bra and panties, he starts by kissing me. On the mouth? Yes, on the mouth. Your free foot nudged his groin, and he repaid you by bending your toes back hard. Ouch! And then? He worked on your foot with both hands until the pain from the night before began to dissolve. Your turn. We're comparing notes, remember? A wicked grin crept across Udon's features. I offered myself to him, on my knees. He'd just come off stage. Roll, the Prince of Denmark. His favorite. But he was foul-tempered that night. Someone had cut over one of his lines. You could imagine your husband, sweat dripping off him, cursing at the top of his voice. He'd had a fight coming off stage with the actor, punched him in the nose and got a broken knuckle for his trouble. You laughed. I remember him telling me about that. But he never mentioned that you were waiting on your knees in the dressing room. Of course not. But you know that fighting makes him horny. I do. All the time, Udant massaged your foot, and under his touch, you became loose-limbed and drowsy. He laughed when he saw me, but when he realized I was serious, he strolled right up to me and thrust his sweat-soaked groin in my face. He stank, and it was irresistible. I stripped off his tights and pulled off the box he was wearing underneath. You closed your eyes and pictured the scene. What a swordsman! said Udont. He sighed. Magnificent. He dropped the foot he'd been working on and picked up the other one. Now you. He likes to pull down the cups of my bra. And suck on my nipples. Udont's hands slid up to your ankle, cuffing it with warmth. And he bites them. Does it hurt? Not at first, but then he bites harder because he likes to hear me yelp. I think I'd like to hear that too. Udon't pinched your calf then, twisting his fingers into the flesh until you pulled your leg back with a sharp cry. A satisfied smile played across his lips. Gingerly, you returned your leg to him, and he rubbed the spot he pinched. And God, that felt good to you. I took his cock in my mouth. As you can imagine, it's something I'm very good at. And something he particularly loves. It's a beautiful thing. It grew bigger and bigger the more I sucked him. He pushed harder and harder, his hands wrapped around the back of my head to hold me steady. Deep thrusts, long and slow, then sharp and fast. An actress came to the door, but I didn't stop, and he didn't want me to. She stood watching, wide-eyed, her mouth hanging open. I swear she wanted to join in, but eventually... Kit turned his head and told her to fuck off in no uncertain terms. Then he came. You know the sound he makes. Pure joy. From the bottom of his great chest, echoing around the theater. I know it, you said. So much fucking cum. Which you swallowed? Udont looked affronted. Always. You threw back your head and laughed. Udont leaned forward and rewarded you with a long stroke that ran the length of your leg and made you squirm with pleasure. You closed your eyes and basked under his touch. 
For several minutes, he continued to massage you in silence, working on your other foot and then along the lengths of both legs. He talked softly as he worked. Kit wanted more from me. He's a greedy boy, isn't he? The worst, you said. He made me stand up and then he sat down on the sagging couch in the corner. He grasped his soft cock in one hand and grunted, telling me to strip, but slowly. I put a record on. We always had music in the dressing room. I took my clothes off, piece by piece. No dancing, nothing like that. I stood in front of him and removed them slowly. He was wrapped. His eyes never left me, and gradually his cock got hard again. His powers of recovery are amazing. You're a sexy boy, Udant. I think you can take the credit for it. When I was naked, he beckoned me over to him. I straddled his lap, and we kissed. He knows how to kiss. We didn't kiss for long. After all, this wasn't a romance. Kit might sleep around, but he kept all his romance for you. But tell me what he does, said Odont. After he has you naked? Then, you said, it depends. Depends on what? On whether he wants to fuck me or pretend he's fucking you. He put his hands behind your knees and yanked you down the daybed, so instead of sitting up, you were on your back with your legs bent. There was something faintly gynecological about the position in which you found yourself, but it meant less eye contact, and that made it easier for you to go on talking. Easier to accept that he slowly worked his hands along the inside of your thighs, with your skirt pooling around your hips and your panties on display. When he's had enough of my breasts, he flips me over onto my front. His hands crept to the top of your thighs, and a second later he tugged on your panties, sliding them down your legs with a caress that left you powerless to resist. The small room felt hot and smelled of sex. It's your own response to his touch you smelled, and you saw a damp patch on the crotch of your receding panties. When he disentangled them from your ankles, he pushed your legs apart and inspected the goods. You relaxed with your head back and your eyes shut. You liked what was happening and deliberately gave no thought to the consequences. So, he flips you over like this. You found yourself lying on your front with your head pushed into the armrest cushion. Your ass was in the air as Udon't carefully arranged your skirt around your waist. Yes, just like that, Udon't. That's what he did to me, too. Suddenly, I was lying on my front on the couch, and he was kneeling over me. I think he just looked for a while. It was his first time with a man, and he needed to contemplate what he was about to do. First, but not last. No, not at all. Udon't touched the back of one of your thighs and ran his hand up around the curve of your exposed buttock. Your gut contracted sharply, and a pulse of desire fluttered inside you. This is how he touched me. His touch isn't as gentle as yours. 
True, he was rougher and more urgent. He needed to explore every inch of me. He pushed me up onto my knees and spread my buttocks apart. He touched me there to see how I would react, then pushed a finger inside me. He wasn't gentle. It was about what he wanted rather than my pleasure. But it gave you pleasure? Immense pleasure. You like to be used? Don't you? Yes. Your voice cracked as Udon's long fingers probed the fleshy area between your legs. It felt nothing like when Kit touched you there. Kit was forever in a hurry, pushing inside, greedy to get to the source of you, to find the hidden treasure, to hit his own pay dirt. Udont was the opposite. An explorer who appreciated that it was the journey rather than the arrival that counted. His fingertips slowly skimmed the creases between your buttocks and thighs, between thigh and cunt, between buttock and buttock. Then they slipped among your folds and found you wet and ready. Does Kit do this to you? He asked as he separated your lips and pushed them wide with two sets of fingers. Not like that. No, he wouldn't. You lost concentration, giving yourself over to the sensations Udont conjured between your legs. You moaned as he pushed two fingers high up inside you, and your moans turned to a gasp as his thumb found your clit and applied gentle pressure. Your hips started flexing of their own volition, pushing back against Udon's hand as you willed him to go faster and press harder. Your breathing was ragged, and your mouth was dry. Does he use loop or spit, says Udont, and you felt his other hand sliding up the crack of your ass. Did he use lube or spit with you? You replied. Spit, said Udont. He said the word fondly, pressing his hand against your ass at the same time. Remember, it wasn't planned. Just a chance encounter in an empty dressing room. Much like this? Oh, I don't think this is a matter of chance, darling. This was an inevitability. You laughed, but he'd slightly taken your breath away. Kit was rough with me, he continued. Just a slick of spit, and then he plowed right on into me. No finesse, but there was passion, and that took me by surprise. His fingernails bit into my shoulders, and his teeth scraped my skin. I was pounded, crushed, broken, torn apart. He made me howl, but he didn't care because it wasn't about me. It was about him, and that made it, for me, the best sex ever. You could see it in your mind's eye, and you precisely understood what made it so good. Kit's a savage, and there's something about being taken by a savage. It's not what you want every time, but there are moments with Kit. Sublime moments when all he's aware of is the need for release, and all you're aware of is the manifestation of his need ripping into your body. You sighed. Spit or loop? asked Udont, his fingers moving insistently against you. Your breath caught in your throat, and a moment passed before you could speak. Kit? Of course, spit. Udont gave a disapproving sigh. You're a princess, so we'll do it properly. His fingers withdrew, and the daybed creaked as he shifted his weight and stood up. 
You remained where you were, struggling to bring your breathing under control, desperate to feel his hands on you again. Tell me how Kit fucks you, said Udant. When he comes off stage, he's high with adrenaline. It makes him hard, but you know that. When you've gone, and we're alone in the dressing room, he gives me a look or a nod, and I know what it means. What does it mean? That I should take off my clothes and lie on the couch, or bend over the chair. How do you know which? Sometimes by the direction of his nod, sometimes he leaves the choice to me. You thought of Kit, but you wished Udant would hurry back to you. Your hips were grinding against the cushions, and your cunt felt swollen and heavy. He's still in costume, and he stays dressed, so some nights I'm fucked by Lear, and some nights by Henry. If he's wearing tights, they make him swear and stumble, and his breath smells of whiskey. But once he's inside me, none of it matters. He wraps his arms around me, holding me steady in the storm, teasing my nipples until I have to bite my lip or whimper. Is that how it always is? said Udant, coming back to the couch. No, that's dressing room sex, post-performance, the ritual of Kit the actor. When we're at home, it's different, slower, gentler, soft, lazy sex on Sundays, when he'll whisper a sonnet in my ear and make love to me with his mouth. You felt lightheaded. Don't make me wait, Udant. I'm here now, he said, and a second later, the cold shock of lube on your ass made you gasp. He ran his fingers up and down, spreading the lube and sending little shivers through you that made your back arch. You heard him grunt, and then you heard him undoing his pants. He moved close enough for you to feel the hard flesh of his cock pressing the back of your thigh and smell the sandalwood of the French cologne that was released by his body heat. His cock is long and heavy, and the touch of it made your muscles clench and then relax in anticipation. Udant opened you skillfully with his fingers, making you scared that you'd come straight away before he even got his cock inside you. Do you want me? He whispered in your ear. Are you sure? His aniseed breath hot on your cheek. Do it, you said, and even you could hear the note of desperation in your voice. You heard him putting the condom on. His fingers pushed deeper into you and opened you wider. For a second, they were gone, and you felt the void. But then their place was taken by the nudge of his cock. You knew it was big. You'd seen the outline of it, erect and straining against his trousers when he helped Kit dress. But if something looks big under the cover of clothing, it feels twice as big when it starts pushing its way into your ass. Despite the lube, despite the preparatory work he had done with his fingers, it still burned as he edged his way forward into you. You gasped, and he caught hold of your hips to keep you in position. It was the sweetest and most excruciating pain, and you came straight away, your muscles gripping tighter as he fought to stretch them, his cock feeling even harder as your body jerked against it. You shrieked, and with a grunt, he shoved all the way into you. His balls slapped against you, and he brought a hand around the front of your hips to finger your clit. 
You could do nothing but ride the wave as he fucked you hard and worked his fingers up into your cunt to feel you pulsing and throbbing as you thrust back against his cock. He held you tight and went on plowing into you until your orgasm finally subsided. The pain was still sharp, and as you tried to pull away from him, desire surged up inside once again. He used his hands to change the angle of your hips just slightly, but it was enough. Another climax powered through you as you ground yourself along the top of his shaft. He pulled you up by your shoulders until you were practically leaning back against him, and he twisted your nipples through your blouse to cause another sharp explosion of pleasure. Finally, you sensed that he was coming. A low rumble began in his throat as he rammed home even harder than before, pushing in and not pulling back, his back arching as a sharp yelp of pleasure came from his mouth. You both slumped down on the daybed. You were slick with sweat, and as he withdrew, it still hurt enough to make you sob. When his cock was gone and your ass was empty, you still felt the weight of it inside you. It was such a good feeling. Udon peeled off the condom and tied it in a knot, dropping it over the edge onto the floor. Then he lay down along the length of the couch and pulled you onto his chest. He was still dressed, and as your skirt slid back down over your legs, so were you, apart from the absence of your panties. Udon looked at his watch. Perfect. Five minutes until the interval. He tucked his flaccid cock back into his trousers and did up the zip. He swept a lock of sweaty hair out of your face and kissed you on the forehead. Then he gently put you to one side and sat up. He chucked the condom into the bin, rolled your stockings up your legs, and retrieved your panties from underneath the daybed. By the time Kit barreled into the room, demanding a whiskey and water at the top of his voice, the pair of you were sitting just as you had been when he left. Udon put down the shirt he was mending. Good audience? Middling, said Kit, reaching for the glass you handed him. And that's how it's been ever since. Kit acts, and you and Udon fuck. Maybe during the first half of the play, maybe during the second half, but rarely not at all. Does Kit know? You haven't a clue. Udon is the person to ask that question. Alert listeners, we hope you enjoyed today's story. That was Udont, written by Tamsin Flowers. If you aren't following us on Twitter already, please do so right now at the KMQ so you don't miss out on any of our audiobook giveaways. Subscribe to our newsletter at thekissmequicks.com to get all of our sexy stories delivered right to your inbox. If you want more sexy stories and would like to support the show, 
please go to Amazon, iTunes, or Audible and search Rose Caraway. Remember to leave us a review so that more lured listeners just like you can find us. Audio production by Big Daddy, Dave Caraway. KMQ would like to thank these marvelous musical artists. Kai Engel, Ryan Little, Maidan. The KMQ introduction music by Vivich. The Kiss Me Quicks Erotica Podcast is a Stupid Fish production and is brought to you by In Medias Res. You in the midst of things. Yeah. So I just thought of a fun gag. Mm. You should, at the beginning of every episode, come up with some elaborate outfit that you're wearing. Just invent it? Just invent it. And just speak as if that's what you're wearing. (laughs) Today I'm wearing this pearl white (laughs) wedding gown that was worn by Elizabeth the 13th and blah, blah, blah. And I'll be wearing my Elizabeth the 13th. Wait, hold on. (laughs) I'm just coming up with royal sounding names. Okay. Um, yes, can do. Done. Like, In fact, I'll do you one better. Later. I have a few of those. In fact, I have a super cute Buzz Lightyear Halloween costume. Exactly. Yeah, that's the bit. <laughs> yes. Okay. And, Next I, and I will always be wearing a rope. Okay. Your, your Charles Hefner rope. It's Charles Hefner's. It's Charles Hefner's rope. <laughs> okay. That sounds great. Let's yes. do it. Uh, it has been moved and seconded. <laughs>